Hello, and welcome to the Missing Link podcast, a mini series about zero trust. I'm Beck Nay, and this week I'll be taking the back seat. Instead, my colleague Paul Friend, security account director here at the Missing Link, will be hosting to explore how to put a zero trust framework into action and what that means for your organization in real world terms. Joining him is Jason Bruce. He looks after cybersecurity at Brickworks, an ASX-listed manufacturer in Australia. Here is Paul Friend and Jason Bruce. Welcome, Jason, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So I'm the Information Security Engineer at Brickworks Limited, as you said. I've been here at Brickworks now for almost eight years. Started out as an IT administrator uh, and then taken on the role of a senior engineer and then sort of becoming the dedicated security engineer, which I am in today. So prior to that, I've had various sort of engineering and admin roles sort of spanning back to 1999. That's some great experience there, Jason. So um, let's jump straight into it. Considering what's happening in the world with COVID-19, this pandemic that has struck the world, state-sponsored cyber attacks being on the rise and so on, what new challenges have you been facing in your organization and how have these challenges actually affected your cybersecurity decisions? Yeah, look, as you said, it's definitely been an eventful year, I think, for most, especially those sort of working in the cyberspace. Um, I think for me personally, it's been a big challenge, but in saying that, very rewarding, um, you know, to see what we can achieve when the pressure's really on. We fast-tracked a number of key initiatives this year, and from what I'm hearing from a number of other Australian businesses, they've sort of had to do the same, so pretty exciting. I think, um, you know, the biggest challenge was how to make some of those big changes fast to accommodate the work-from-home transition. We were lucky that we already had most of the infrastructure in place. So we just needed to sort of implement those changes and, and adopt those and train our staff. Uh, training itself was already a challenge and that did get amplified. So trying to keep, you know, that training relevant, you know, up to date with, with these attack trends that we were starting to see throughout the whole COVID and, and the last lot of attacks that the government announced. And making that training mandatory has always been a, a challenge for us as well. So I think like most, we're seeing a fast rise in these phishing attacks, that's for sure, especially in the last sort of two to three months. So in addition to the training, we've sort of, you know, we're sending out regular comms to the business and we're, you know, trying to tailor those around those particular events. So picking out those sort of targeted attacks and, and then showing those examples to our staff so that they can be aware just in case something does sort of slip through. And I suppose that, you know, the last challenge has been around our strategy and roadmap for cybersecurity. We had what we thought was a great solid roadmap for the next one or two years and and now sort of have to go back and, and review and change and, you know, prioritise some of our projects. So that was probably the biggest one that just threw a spanner into where we saw ourselves, you know, later this year and, and early in the 21, yeah, for sure. That's very interesting to hear and it sounds like as an organisation, Brickworks is really on top of things and has gone back to the drawing board and making sure that they can actually secure their environment considering all the, all of these changes. From our previous discussions, I know that you're well down the zero trust path. What would you say drove your organisation to starting the zero trust journey? Why do you think a zero trust framework is actually beneficial for an organisation? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I mean, you know, for us, we've probably had a number of drivers. It really spans back probably three years ago. 
you know, we did some extensive auditing and, and penetration testing and, and that really highlighted, you know, a number of shortcomings in our environment that we probably weren't, you know, aware of at the time. And this then sort of drove us to just, you know, make the decision to align with this standard and, and to start to get some real expert advice, you know, to help guide us to build our core stack and to build it to the point where it is today. And I think that's been key. You know, if we didn't do that right, you know, in the beginning with it wouldn't it wouldn't have allowed us to focus more time now on the zero trust approach, having that core stack in and having it, you know, working as efficiently as possible, you know, just frees us up to do the, the more important things. Also, I think the interesting thing was um, we started to realise that we were actually heading down the zero trust path even without even focus on it. So, you know, once we got the core stack in and it was in the middle part of last year that we decided to really, you know, centralise our identity management and access control and, you know, look at a number of key platforms in that space. Like a lot of organisations, we had a number of various technologies, both you know on-prem and, and in the cloud, and these were just you know a pain to manage. They were in some way legacy and really difficult to, to administer. And as an organisation and as a, you know an IT department, we run we run lean, you know very lean. So it's imperative you know for us that we look at solutions that are going to be easy to implement, you know easy to administer and do the job that they're you know being paid to deliver. If COVID had have happened. <laughs> You know, last year, we'd probably be having a different conversation right now. Yeah, a lot lot different. So for us, the benefits, you know, they speak for themselves. It frees us up. It frees up our resources to focus on more important work. Application administrators, they don't have the overhead anymore of provisioning users on all these different platforms. There's that whole one source of truth, you know, and that's great. That just makes it so easy to, to administer. And again, our licensing, like having the licensing managed through that identity as well. You're not having to constantly go back, review, look at your licensing and, you know, cancel licenses or add additional licenses. So huge win for us. I think probably Office 365 and, and Salesforce are two really good examples of that. You know, the ease of provisioning and the license management aspect of it. So we add, you know, user to a group, they get everything they need, including the license. We remove them and, and that all happens behind the scenes. So it's just so much overhead that, that we're not having to, to worry about anymore. You, are, of course, are referring to, to your deployment of Okta within the environment. So just to make it clear to the listeners that you are referring to your Okta deployment and a few of the, I guess, benefits of deploying that solution. Absolutely. Yeah, Okta has been, been great. And on top of that, the adaptive MFA that, that Okta provides us gives that another level of protection for our remote users. So having control over you know where staff can access systems from, uh, not that they're travelling abroad at the moment, but, um, you know, we did see in the past breaches from, you know, hotels and public Wi-Fi, especially overseas. So that whole solution bound up into one product, yeah, is huge and it makes my job you know, so much easier. Um, and it gives us confidence, you know, the framework, the technologies, they're doing what they're designed to do and, and they're keeping our systems, you know, more secure. That's great. That's great. So taking your experience into account, and it does sound like you've had quite a bit of experience, what do you consider the key elements for achieving your zero trust within an organization? You know, upfront for me is it's getting your framework mapped out, you know, to begin with. You know, you can look at all the documentation like online, but you really want to get your framework mapped out and you want it to be prioritised and you want it to align with your business risks. You know, every business is different. So sitting down, you know, with the business and, and with your key stakeholders and getting that right to begin with is, is so important. I think people need to remember this isn't just a three-month project. It's just not putting a system in and, and walking away and forgetting about it. It's it's ongoing. It's, you know, it's going to keep maturing over time. So I think if you get those key aspects right in the beginning, and if you haven't done it, go back and do it. 
do it now because um, it's it's really important and it's just going to make your life so much easier as you mature. I think these are going to be your go-tos then throughout the journey as well. So, but also don't think this is your concrete map and you're going to follow it, you know, um, to the letter. It will change. COVID-19 showed us that. Having it in front of you though, you can say, okay, now I need to, you know, reshuffle some of these projects, reprioritise some of some of the work and push some things back that probably don't need to be, you know, as important now and, and push things forward. And MFA was a perfect example for us sort of early this year. On top of that, policies and procedures, you know, they're no-brainers. And especially around your lease privilege, to me, I think that's an element that often gets overlooked and more so because it's so hard. You know, a lot of companies just don't go down that lease privilege task and because it can be difficult to implement and difficult to convince, you know, your IT administrators that this is going to be, you know, a win for us. And a big one for us was get some quick wins established and get them done. You'll then see the benefits of zero trust. So not only just within your IT department, but the you know the business will see it as well, and and that helps motivate everyone for those harder projects, you know those legacy apps or or the ones that can tend to drag on. And and again, I can't overstate that enough. Last year we were getting really bogged down with some with some big projects trying to get aligned with zero trust, and we just decided to go with some quick wins, and it was just made us all realise that you know it is worth the effort if if you put in the, the hard yards. Even if it's just one or two quick wins, it just gets everyone's buy-in, you know, the business, your IT department, all on the same page. And then get expert advice, you know, on the technologies and, and your vendors. Compare your products, the pros and cons, and take that info and do your own research. You know, don't just rely on what, what's written down on a piece of paper. You know, work out what products might work well with other products as well. You know, it, it might be a case that you're looking at something that might not even, you know, be compatible with some systems you've already got in, in, in your company and talk to other companies, attend webinars. The last thing you want to do, I guess, you know, in this whole process is be halfway through an implementation and go, oh, this just isn't going to work. I think that's, you know, imperative. If you do all those things to begin with, you know you're going to be most of the way there to getting those projects over the line. Great to hear that you guys have made great strides on, on the Zero Trust side. What would you say some of the pitfalls and hurdles you faced? I think you alluded to a few during our chat, but what would you say were the major pitfalls and hurdles you faced during this journey? And I, I guess, as you said, everybody is on this journey. It's, it's not a set and forget. It's something that is dynamic and, and um, you know, environments change and so on. And you sometimes have to make adjustments as you go. But what have you experienced from a pitfalls and hurdles perspective? Yeah, like I said, I've probably covered a few of them off, but I think probably the biggest one, you know, it's change within the business. You know, a lot of people don't like changes, you know, and it goes internally within your IT team and then the changes for the users and, and how things are going to change the way they do things from day to day. MFA is probably a good example that we did, you know, earlier on this year. Um, no matter how much you prepare, you communicate to all your staff, there's always going to be, you know, issues throughout the rollout so you know really be prepared to deal with those as and when they happen i think another is unless you're building up this from scratch which i, I doubt anyone is it's not going to be quick it's not going to be easy it's it's going to be you know like i said it's it's a it's a journey it's not just a project so from experience adopting to every system is going to be different you know legacy systems you really got to consider those they're not going to work or they're going to be extremely complex in, you know, in design and time-consuming to implement. So you may have to decide, you know, whether it's worth the time and effort. We did have a legacy system that we've decided we're not going to, you know, pursue and, and that is now getting replaced. So I think, yeah, considering those things early on, because that can be a hurdle if the business expects that that system is going to 
to be part of this this journey and, and it turns out it's not compatible. But I think to sum it up, the hurdles you face are no different to the ones most you're not already dealing with from time to time. So although they're hurdles, they really, in my opinion, don't outweigh the benefits of, you know, of going the zero trust path for sure. Thank you. So I think we're out of time for today. Thank you, Jason. It was really informative and we look forward to having you back on our podcast in the future. That was Paul Friend from The Missing Link and Jason Bruce from Brickworks talking about how to put a zero trust framework into action. Thank you for tuning in to Understanding Zero Trust. For our listeners, if you would like any further information, you can visit our podcast page at themissinglink.com.au, which can be found via the show notes. Tune in for next week's episode on why a people-centric approach matters.